0: welcome to ace podcasts thanks for tuning in as we elevate clinical endocrinology by taking deep dives into trends and topics that can help us improve our patient care and global health find the latest episodes on aace.com slash podcasts and now let's meet the endocrine experts who will be talking with us today
1: Hi, welcome to ACE Podcast. I'm Dr. Sina Jassim, the Editor-in-Chief of ACE Clinical Case Report. I'm an Associate Professor of Medicine at Washington University in St. Louis. I have the pleasure today to host Dr. Fumi Urano, a Professor of Medicine at Washington University in St. Louis and the Director of Wolfram Syndrome Clinic at Washington University. Dr. Urano is an expert in monogenic diabetes and Wolfram syndrome, and he's here with us today to discuss their published report, two cases of Wolfram syndrome who were initially diagnosed with type one diabetes. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Urano.
0: Thank you for your kind introduction, Dr. Jasim. Thank you for this opportunity.
1: Dr. Urano, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work?
0: Sure. So I am a professor of medicine at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. And I have been studying the rare disease, rare syndromic diabetes called Wolfram syndrome. And the case report is about two cases of Wolfram syndrome initially diagnosed with type 1 diabetes.
1: So in your publication, you reported two cases of young patients with Wolfram syndrome. Can you tell us a little bit more about this syndrome and the importance of distinguishing between Wolfram syndrome and type 1 diabetes?
0: Sure, yes. So Wolfram syndrome is a rare genetic disorder characterized by juvenile onset diabetes, optic nerve atrophy, many patients become blind later in their lives, and neurodegeneration. And the neurodegeneration is basically the brain stem atrophy and cerebellar atrophy. So later in their lives, due to the brain stem atrophy, they have issues in breathing and swallowing. And then aspiration pneumonia or choking event may lead to the death of these patients.
1: Interesting. And were there any common clinical manifestation in these two patients that alerted you or your team to the potential of Wolfram syndrome diagnosis, other than the negative islet cell antibodies?
0: So that's a fantastic uh, question. So both patients were initially diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. However, they were antibody negative, so they did not have any circulating antibodies directed against their insulin-producing beta cells. Both of them are relatively short, Mm -hmm. and both of them have anxiety. And these are actually interesting features seen in patients with Wolfram syndrome. So they develop diabetes, antibody-negative diabetes, and because of their age, most of our patients are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. However, they are antibody-negative, they are relatively short, and they have anxiety. Mm -hmm.
1: Now, in both of these cases, optic nerve atrophy had already been developed. What are the implications of this in relation to the importance of early diagnosis?
0: Yes, so both of them were diagnosed with Wolfram syndrome after they developed optic nerve atrophy. And usually the first manifestation in seen in patients with Wolfram syndrome is insulin-dependent diabetes mellitus. And then they develop optic nerve atrophy after that, around age 11. And at that point, many patients are diagnosed with Wolfram syndrome. Then why it's important to diagnose them even after they develop optic nerve atrophy? The reason is after they develop optic nerve atrophy, they develop neurodegeneration. It starts late teens in many of these patients. And neurodegeneration leads brainstem atrophy and cerebellar atrophy. And cerebellar atrophy leads to ataxia. And so later in in their lives, they tend to fall due to the ataxia. And brainstem atrophy causes breathing and swallowing problems. So, especially swallowing problems is really dangerous because aspiration, pneumonia and choking events often lead to the death of these patients. And aspiration could be prevented by seeing a neurologist and a speech pathologist. So if we diagnose them early, we can potentially prevent choking and aspiration mediated deaths of these patients.
1: I see. And it sounds like it's a genetic syndrome and genetic testing is very important here. So can you tell us and discuss a bit about the significance of the homozygous versus compound heterozygous pathogenic variant in the WFS1 gene for Wolfram syndrome?
0: Sure. Yes. So Wolfram syndrome is a monogenic disease. So single gene mutations can lead to Wolfram syndrome. And causative gene was discovered at Washington University in 1998 and it was named WFS1 gene. Wolfram syndrome is an autosomal recessive disorder, which means patients have two mutated copies of the WFS1 gene. As you know, we all have two copies of WFS1 gene, one from a father and one from a mother. And Wolfram patients have two mutated copies. It's called autosomal recessive disorder. And homozygous means most of our patients are actually heterozygous, compound heterozygous, which means two mutated copies look different. So usually one mutated copy from mother and the other mutated copy from father, they are different. However, some of our patients have homozygous WFS1 gene pathogenic variant, which means both mutated copies look exactly the same. Usually that means parents are related. First cousins were close. They are are close families. Mm -hmm. And patients who have homozygous WFS1 pathogenic variant, they tend to have other symptoms. Because as you know, if we have kids from cross marriages, they tend to have more problems in addition to Wolfram.
1: So then that will reflect on their clinical manifestation and that's why we see moderate form or milder form as the report was discussing?
0: I think that's one of the reasons. Also, a type of pathogenic variants or mutations also plays a role.
1: I see. So for a clinician, the clinical implication for that diagnosis, how does the management and treatment uh, for Wolfram syndrome differ from that of type 1 diabetes?
0: That's really a great question. So there is a difference between patients with type 1 diabetes and Wolfram syndrome regarding their diabetes. So as you know, patients with type 1 diabetes, they quickly lose their ability to produce insulin from their own pancreas. And they become insulin dependent from the beginning of the disease. Patients with Wolfram syndrome are different. Their C-peptide levels are much higher than those seen in patients with type 1 diabetes. And their C-peptide levels gradually decline over 10 years, sometimes 20 years, sometimes even 30 years, which means Wolfram patients may get some benefits by getting different diabetes treatment. Instead of taking insulin, some patients respond to GLP-1 receptor agonist pretty well. And some mm-hmm. patients become insulin free by taking their one receptor agonist. So many endocrinologists don't know about this. So most of our patients are initially treated with insulin. However, other treatment options could be beneficial for patients with Wolfram syndrome.
1: Oh, that is really, really important. Um, So in your opinion, what are the challenges or the barriers in getting a timely or early diagnosis for Wolfram syndrome?
0: Yes, that's probably the availability of monogenic diabetes testing. So monogenic diabetes means patients become diabetic because of single gene changes or single gene mutations. And Wolfram syndrome is one of the monogenic diabetes. And in major academic medical centers like ours, monogenic diabetes testing is available and clinicians and the know about the importance of setting up monogenic diabetes testing to identify the cause of their patient's diabetes. But in smaller medical centers or rural medical centers, Monogenic diabetes testing, which is genetic testing, may not be available or clinicians may not know how to order monogenic diabetes testing. Then patients are treated like type 1 diabetes, so that can lead to their late diagnosis.
1: Absolutely, and this is really relevant. So to that point, how do you think clinicians can be better educated or informed about the significance and importance of considering monogenic diabetes genetic testing, especially when the patient profile doesn't exactly fit in the profile of typical type 1 diabetes symptoms.
0: Yes. So I think raising awareness is pretty important because most clinicians know if the patients in front of them look different from typical diabetes, they know something is wrong. However, they don't know exactly how they find out what they their patients exactly have. Mm-hmm. And by conducting genetic testing, they may be able to find out exactly why their patients have diabetes. But many of them don't know how to order monogenic testing and what kind of genes they should test. So raising awareness is pretty important. And that can be done through the article like this, or AACE, or American Diabetes Association, or Endocrine Society can help clinicians to learn more about the importance of monogenic diabetes testing.
1: Absolutely, and this is one of the reasons why we picked this, we highlighted this case report to discuss this, to increase awareness and highlight the significance of this syndrome. So Dr. Urano, if you can tell us a little bit about the current status of research or therapeutic intervention for Wolfram syndrome, and are there any promising treatment on the horizon?
0: Yes. So my team has been developing new treatments for Wolfram syndrome in the past almost 20 years. And we are currently testing a new drug in patients with Wolfram syndrome. And this is a collaboration with a biotech company and it's an ongoing effort. It's an oral medication that can potentially delay or stop the progression of Wolfram syndrome. So the clinical trial is ongoing. And another clinical trial is ongoing in Europe. And two more oral medications are on the horizon. So 10 years ago, there was absolutely no treatment for patients with Wolfram syndrome. However, now we have two potential oral medications. Also regenerative therapy and gene therapy are also emerging technologies to treat these patients.
1: That's fascinating and really hopeful. How do you hope this report will impact the clinical and scientific community as well as patients and their families?
0: I hope this article raises awareness of diagnosing patients with monogenic diabetes and syndromic diabetes. Because based on the literature and our data, around 3% of patients who come to the diabetes clinic Actually, have monogenic diabetes, and three percent is actually pretty high. But most of these patients have not been diagnosed accurately. Most of these patients are usually diagnosed with either type one, or type two, or sometimes it's called type one point five. Or so if when I see you know doctors' notes, you know our colleagues' notes, oh, these patients have uh, may not have type one, type two but no genetic testing has been conducted. So I hope this article raises awareness of the importance of monogenic diabetes testing so that we can diagnose Wolfram patients early and other forms of monogenic diabetes patients early.
1: That is really informative, Dr. Urano. I think uh, the traditional thought process of patients either have type one or type two is no longer the case. And I think every patient should be evaluated. And if it the picture does not fit in, in clearly in one of the categories, it is important to look into monogenic diabetes. Dr. Yorano, are there any additional thoughts that you'd like to share regarding the importance of genetic testing in the realm of diabetes diagnosis? And what do you think the future holds for this syndrome?
0: Yes. So I hope actually monogenic diabetes testing is more available for clinicians in all the countries and different states and different places. And also I hope that monogenic diabetes testing is covered by their insurance. The reason is if we know exactly what our patients have, we can choose the best treatment option so that that's gonna lead to a better prognosis of our patients. So I hope monogenic diabetes testing is available for all the patients who potentially have monogenic diabetes and that will be covered by insurance And test is set up at the right timing so that, you know, their prognosis should be better.
1: Absolutely. We really hope that too, as we're seeing more and more of these cases. Dr. Yorana, I want to thank you for being with us today and discussing your valuable work. To learn more, please visit aceclinicalreport.com to review the article and related topics. Thank you very much for having us today.
0: Thank you, Dr. Jasim. Thanks for listening to another great ACE podcast. Join us for another episode at aace.com slash podcasts and help us in our mission to elevate clinical endocrinology. Together, we are ACE.